I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina, a news podcast from the Post and Courier. You're probably aware that COVID-19 cases are surging again in South Carolina and across the U.S. But it's difficult, maybe especially now that we're so far into this pandemic, to really understand what those numbers mean. It's also difficult now because we have widely available COVID-19 vaccines, and we've had them for months. But close to half of the state's population hasn't received a shot to protect them from the coronavirus. Meanwhile, the aggressive Delta variant of the virus is spreading quickly. This week, we're talking with reporter Jennifer Barry Haas and photographer Gavin McIntyre, who you know as a frequent co-host of this podcast, about the experience of going inside the intensive care unit of a local hospital and seeing firsthand what doctors and nurses are up against right now. This is Gavin McIntyre. You know me from Understand SC as a co-host, and I'm also a staff photographer here at The Post and Courier. Hi, I'm Jennifer Barry Hawes. I'm a project writer here at The Post and Courier. You visited the intensive care unit at Bon Secours St. Francis Hospital earlier this month and were observing COVID-19 patients who were receiving care. So first, why did you, at this point in the pandemic, want to report from inside the hospital in that way. I had been hearing anecdotally that the hospitals were seeing an increase in patients and thought it was interesting and obviously alarming because the public was, for the most part, going back to life as normal, not wearing masks, gathering in indoors and that sort of thing. It struck me that while we were hearing about the increase in numbers of COVID patients and the increase in positive tests, Those numbers had just started to feel stale. I worried that people didn't really understand what that meant in human terms. So we asked all three of the local hospital systems if we could go inside and see what their staffs and patients were experiencing, and uh, Roper St. Francis got back to us first. So how has the COVID situation at this particular hospital that you visited changed recently? When we went into St. Francis Hospital last week, the hospital system it's a part of had seen an increase in COVID patients from 25 to 65 just over the prior two weeks. And in fact, the unit, the first unit that we went into, which was a step-down unit from the ICU, had gone from three patients to being full, being all 10 of its rooms full with COVID patients. So it was obvious they had seen a substantial increase in quickly. So what did you see when you first walked into that intensive care unit? When we got in there, we had to go through this process of putting on all the protective equipment. That was the first really just like awareness of how dangerous it is because it's like you're putting on like multiple layers. You know, we had this oxygen mask that we had to wear to like walk into these rooms. And then we go in and we see the patient and the first patient was a Brenda Langley who luckily for her, you know, she was doing well and able to talk and was feeling much better, but she's still going through, still recovering from COVID-19. And so just being in that room and seeing, you know, machines connected and she's still, you know, kind of laboring, getting through just like, just simply breathing. I mean, I think it's something we don't really think about. 
Yeah, really, to me, it was striking that on the first day when I went in, they immediately asked me to put on scrubs, which I had never done before, even when I'd gone into rooms with COVID patients in the past. I just got a real sense that there was an uptick in concern. We had to wear the PAPR respirators when we went in and full, full PPE in the nine yards, like Gavin said. And there was just sort of a dire mood in that unit right off the bat. Yeah, I was wondering that too, because you have been in a hospital before that was treating COVID patients earlier on in the pandemic. What felt different this time? I think it's the Delta variant. I think it's concern about how much more transmissible and virulent this variant is. Uh, You could feel that everywhere. The staff was obviously concerned for patients. They described patients coming in sicker, younger, their disease progression faster. Uh, than the earlier variants. The, the way that someone described it to me was that before, in the earlier surges, they saw patients who would come in who had been at home, gradually getting sicker, and finally had gotten sick enough to come in, usually to the emergency department. Uh, they'd be admitted. The hospital would be able to get them back to a certain point. And then at that point, they either tanked or they got much better and went home. Whereas in this surge with Delta, Delta seems to be about 92% of what we're seeing here in the low country. Now what they're seeing is patients coming in and just immediately getting very sick. And I think that's created a real sense of urgency with the hospital staffs who have been to this rodeo a couple times now. What about the patients who are coming in? Has has that changed at all in terms of the demographics of who is getting sick with COVID and needing that extra care in the hospital? You know, when we went into the ICU of the patients that we saw, one was a woman in her 60s, but the other two were both men in their 30s. And we were speaking to a pulmonologist there who mentioned his partner at Somerville Medical Center had two patients who died in that week, and one was 27 and one was 28, as I recall, very young and much younger than what they were seeing before. The Delta variant we know is very prominent in the Charleston area specifically. We know it is in the U.S., but the Charleston area because of that data from the Medical University of South Carolina, right? Right. So MUSC is testing all of its positive cases. And so that's a pretty good window into what we're seeing here. And the variant showed up here just a month or two ago, and now we're at 92% or so of, of the cases that they're testing are Delta. Gavin, you mentioned this briefly about one of the patients, but do we know, in terms of the the patients who are in this intensive care unit, what their vaccination status was? As I recall, there was only one vaccinated patient we saw who had COVID. All of the rest were unvaccinated, and that woman was in a unique situation because she had multiple sclerosis and the medications that she took interfere with the receptors that the vaccine tries to reach. And so it's possible the vaccine just was ineffective in in her and her husband, who was sitting watching her through a window, distraught, was very upset at the idea that someone who's unvaccinated uh, most likely gave it to her because she had taken all kinds of precautions, gotten the vaccine herself uh, in April, as had he, and yet she was extremely sick in the ICU and on a ventilator. Did any of the patients share anything, say anything about why they hadn't gotten vaccinated? One of the women that we interviewed, Brenda Langley, she explained that she had an immunocompromising condition, uh, and she worried that the vaccine would interfere with that, that basically it might harm her health because of her underlying conditions. 
her doctor had encouraged her to get it anyway, and she had procrastinated, and while she was procrastinating, she had contracted the virus. One patient we saw, Brendan Scott, 33. He wasn't vaccinated. You know, he thought a lot of people around his age, it's like, you know, I'm young, feel like, I, you know, I shouldn't really worry too much. But, you know, when we went in his room, he was having trouble moving his arms and he could maybe say a word or two. And he mostly communicated the nurse through a thumbs up. And so I think that was, that's been, I think, the big difference. I think it's like younger patients who, you know, are really feeling the effects of this. The other reasons we heard anecdotally from physicians and nurses who talked to other patients, and it was a lot of the misinformation that we were hearing out in the community, people who are concerned that it was rushed through the process, even though that vaccine had been in development for years. It's the range of things that you hear out in the community. And one is just people thinking, oh, I'm not going to get that sick. Oh, that's mostly old people or very sick people, and I'm not old or sick, when in fact what they're seeing in the hospitals is, is something really different. And it's interesting with the patients that we talk to, and again, anecdotally from the staff, that they hear people come in and they're reluctant or just flat out against getting the vaccine. They get very sick and then they become vaccine champions. And it's frustrating for the staff because they see this time and time again and really wanted to get that message out into the community that this could be you easily. Yeah, and just so the staff dealing with this new surge, I mean, we caught a meeting of nurses, you know, discussing kind of like where they would be throughout the day and just hearing the workload that they have to take on and this new wave of patients coming in. And there's a lot of exhaustion. Exhaustion in their short staff because the hospitals and not just this one, but hospitals all across the country have been struggling to keep and find ICU nurses because A, they're burned out from the previous surges and the difficulty of what they've been through. And also, they can make a lot more money as traveling nurses going to hotspots or traveling to do other kinds of nursing. Uh, so the hospitals are struggling to fill their staffing needs. And so you can make all the space in the world for new COVID patients, but if you don't have ICU nurses and physicians and respiratory therapists and everyone else to care for them, it doesn't matter how many beds you have. You spoke briefly to the fact that some of these patients who come in and are really sick end up becoming kind of vaccine champions and telling people to get their vaccines. Is, is that anything that, that you heard firsthand from many of these people who were not vaccinated, who maybe hope to get vaccinated after they heal or, or encouraging family members or friends to get vaccinated? That And that was universal of what we heard, was that everybody who talked to us basically did so so they could send the message to the public to get vaccinated. They were urging their family members, Brenda Langley in particular was adamant she was going to get the vaccine when she was well enough. And, and that's important. The Kaiser Family Foundation did a, a study that showed people who have had COVID before are more than two times as likely to get it again as opposed to people who are vaccinated. So simply having had COVID is not a surefire protection that you won't get it again. And that was one message that she wanted to get out. You spoke a little to how doctors and nurses are feeling right now and that frustration, of course, with this current surge, different from those past surges because the vaccines have been available. One of those doctors, Dr. Kent Stock, an infectious disease doctor and kind of this hospital systems COVID point man, he's actually spoken on this podcast before in an earlier surge. I'm wondering what did he maybe have to say about what that hospital system is, is dealing with right now and the reality of 
know, maybe to us it's a number, but to him that's, he's calculating, right? These are, these are people who are going to be coming into these hospitals. I mean, the overwhelming sentiment among doctors, including Dr. Stock and nurses and other staff we talked to, was frustration because in previous searches, you know, there was a certain degree of we didn't know who was going to get it. We weren't certain how it was transmitted. But now we know. And on top of that, now we have a vaccine. People are not taking it. And you can just feel the frustration. And one doctor described it as anger that patients come in having not been vaccinated, that there's so many people in the community unvaccinated, and yet this could all be solved, or the vast majority of this could be solved. And while when they're in the room caring for those patients, you don't feel that at all. I never saw anything that indicated anybody would not take absolute care of their patients. But outside the rooms, you could feel their frustration because they're the ones left to deal with all of this when people won't get vaccinated and take that risk. And it was really difficult for them. And I have to say, just it was just really disheartening to see everything that they had been through already and now going through it again, frustration that they feel. And Dr. Stock is one who has really been through it. You know, he earlier this year was telling me the story about a nurse at one of the hospitals where he rounded and she had contracted the virus. This is an earlier surge. And her family had begged him to get him into one of the Roper St. Francis hospitals here in Charleston. And he had, and the family was, oh, please save her, please save her. And he wasn't able to save her. And, you know, that repeated itself, repeated itself for him and for doctors and nurses like him. And they carry that with them. And now to go into this surge knowing that so much of it is preventable, it was just so frustrating for them. You could just really feel that. So at the same time that you're seeing what's what's happening in this hospital, what have we been hearing kind of on that that official level from our state leaders about this rise in COVID cases? Well, of course, Governor McMaster has said that uh, he's not going to impose mass mandates. And of course, the state passed a law saying that schools could not mandate masks. And so there's a big uproar over that. Teachers, many of them are extremely anxious about going back to school, especially teachers who teach the grade levels where students aren't old enough to get vaccinated yet. So there's not going to be vaccinated students coming to their buildings. And so they're going to have, you know, 25, 30 kids in a room, none of them masked potentially, if their parents don't make them. And as a parent, I can say, especially for older children, you can tell them you're going to wear a mask at school, but once they step into that school building, it's the parent is not there. It's the teacher who's there and the principal who's there, and those people can't force them to wear a mask. So I'm curious to see how that goes. What One thing that we're hearing a lot of is concern from teachers and from other parents who are worried about a lack of mask mandate in the schools, just as we're on the uptick and a surge. And of course, so much of this comes back to the vaccines and what we're saying about the preventability of a lot of these cases. What do we know about where South Carolina stands in terms of vaccinations? As of right now, South Carolina ranks 46 in the country for the number of people who are fully vaccinated. And here in the Tri-County area, which is Charleston, Berkeley, Dorchester counties, only 43% of residents are fully vaccinated. And that number is actually helped by the fact that Charleston County specifically has the highest percentage of people vaccinated in the state. So when you look at Berkeley and Dorchester, actually the rates are much lower. But as an overall number, it's 43% are fully vaccinated in the Tri-County. And that does not include children 12 and younger who are not eligible to get a vaccine. So obviously they would drive that percentage down further. 
Like you said earlier, we've reached out to the major hospital systems in the Tri-County area. Do we know anything else in terms of the number of COVID patients that are being treated at any of these other hospital systems? Sure, and MUSC releases its numbers on uh, every Monday. And interestingly, if you go back to July 19th, they had seven COVID patients in, in the hospital here in Charleston, none of them on ventilators. This week on Monday, they had 42 COVID patients, 11 people on ventilators. So just in the past few weeks, you've seen a big increase there. Uh, When we were at Roper St. Francis, uh, they had gone from 25 patients to 65 COVID patients in the span of two weeks. Uh, So, and most of that was just in the immediate week before we were there. So seeing just big steady increases in the local hospitals. And in the upstate in particular, they're seeing even higher numbers. At this point in the pandemic, maybe especially for people who are vaccinated and got very hopeful about things getting back to normal, maybe started doing things that they hadn't for months, you know, like going out to eat and seeing friends. And it seems like it's maybe more difficult than ever to understand what's happening in hospitals if you feel separate from it, if you were getting in the mindset of we are nearing some kind of finish line when that's really not the case. So what did maybe you get away from the experience of of going into the hospital and seeing these patients? And what, if anything, would you wish that that everyone could, could see and could understand? Well, that's why I really applauded the Roper St. Francis people for allowing us to come in, because I really do feel like when I'm out in the community, it's it's just like you're living in two universes. When you go out in the community and people are doing their normal thing, not wearing masks, and then you go into a hospital and the you know the staff is suiting up in every kind of PPE, people are dying, there's family members m- m- mourning. Uh, it's just a whole other world. And I was really thankful they let us in so that we could try to tell that story. And so hopefully the community can see uh, what's going on in there and what's coming down the pike for us here and, and adjust the way that they're acting in the community. It also struck me that there's kind of two worlds. There's the world of the people who are vaccinated. As I mentioned, very few of the hospital patients were vaccinated. And those who were patients who had been vaccinated had underlying health conditions that were the reason. I just hope that that this story opens some people's eyes as to what's happening so that they either evaluate their thinking on vaccinations or take measures such as masking and all the things that health professionals have been recommending. I think a big thing I came away with kind of talk about COVID-19 and the new surge, so I can kind of feel personal when we get into the discussion to get the vaccine. But being there, you can see that it's not really just the you, it's the community. I mean, uh, we saw a husband there watching his wife get taken care of, and we saw nurses, you know, taking care of patients. It's not just you yourself, you know, being affected. It's everyone around you. And I think that was something I think how people kind of got from the story and the photos that it's really from the nurses like taking care of you to what you can do. It's kind of a community-wide effort. You know, I think that's one thing as a journalist that we all experience is that we go into the situations that most people don't experience themselves personally and tell those stories. And this is no exception. To me, it's easy to be in the community and think, oh, I don't need a vaccine or I'm not going to get that sick or I'm worried it hasn't been tested thoroughly. I'm fill in the blank, whatever the concern is. But it's another thing when you're in there seeing a patient gasping for 
breath the way that Brandon was, just trying to communicate in a few words, get the shot. That's what he said, get the shot, do the right thing. So he's gasping through a mask to communicate this to everyone who's listening to this or who read the story or saw his pictures. Uh, That was the message he wanted to get out. And I think it's really telling when people uh, reach that point, suddenly there's clarity. And I hope that that is helpful to readers who are considering whether to get the vaccine or not. Yesterday, August 11th, South Carolina passed a grim milestone in this pandemic. More than 10,000 people in this state have died from COVID-19. As your state epidemiologist, this is an area that I have studied for my entire career, disease control and prevention. And I want to bring to you today that I have never been more concerned about the health of our state than I am at this time. And I say this for several reasons. First being that the COVID-19 pandemic is reaching heights that South Carolina has only experienced once before in January, our apex to this date. Despite rising coronavirus cases, South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster reiterated this week that he will refrain from reimposing any COVID-related government restrictions or mandates and will continue to lean on, quote, personal responsibility as the primary antidote to the current surge. South Carolina's economy must remain open. That's one difference between the way we did things here and the way they did them in a lot of other places. And our schools must remain open. Working parents cannot stay home with their children every day. They have to work to pay the bills, to feed the families, provide shelter, save for the future and the economic security of their children. If a parent wants the child to wear a mask in school, then that's up to that parent. They can do that. That's their choice. With the school year about to start, the big question now is what districts are doing about masks for students. State lawmakers have actually prohibited South Carolina educational institutions from using appropriated funds to mandate masks. We'll be talking more about masks in South Carolina schools next week on this show. For more coverage of the coronavirus pandemic from the Post and Courier, visit our COVID-19 dashboard, which we will link in today's show notes. Do you have questions about the Delta variant, vaccines, mask rules, back to school that you'd like us to answer on this show? Email us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or tweet us at understandsc. Thanks so much for listening. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.
like Jennifer said, the COVID patients who spoke with her did so because they wanted to send a message and because they don't want other people to get sick. I'd really encourage you to read her story and look at Gavin's photos. We will share the link to that story and a lot of other reporting in today's show notes.